steps that strides forward. 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 This is Strides Forward, the podcast of stories about women and running, told one woman at a time. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. In this first season, I'm focusing on runners' experiences in and around the 90-kilometer or roughly 56-mile Comrades Marathon in South Africa, the largest and oldest ultra-distance running race in the world. This episode features a woman whose love of running is closely tied to the community around the sport, but it didn't start that way. I remember running along the trail when I was literally just starting. I think I was running, you know, two minutes and walking a minute for 36 minutes. And every week I added another minute of running. And it was a, a bit of a lonely endeavor and got made, you know, cat calls and made fun of sort of, well, I'd be out doing it, so I'd do it in the dark. That's Kathy Hopkins, who lives in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. And back when she was in her early 40s, living the busy life of a working mom and wife, she looked to running for the same reasons so many people do. And I started running in 2003 as a way to feel better about myself, lose some weight, and just uh, develop some healthier habits. I developed some unhealthy habits up until that point. But getting harassed on the street, running alone in the dark, certainly wasn't an encouraging start. It wouldn't be hard to imagine a world where Kathy decided running just wasn't for her. And yet, in 2019, Kathy finished her ninth Comrades Marathon. That's nine times traveling halfway around the world to run 90 kilometers. The story of how Kathy got there all started with a single encounter. One day I was running along the trail near my house and I happened upon four women who were, you know, looked like me, average looking people, not super athletes uh, or anything like that. And they were having such a great time. And I stopped them and I said, how, where do you run from? Like, who, who are you guys? Because I want what you've got. Those women belonged to a local running club and Kathy joined Running became about more than lonely outings after sunset, and Kathy began to notice many upsides to getting out consistently. It gave me a, a sense of self-efficacy, the running, because I, I saw the in- improvements and my fitness. I gave up, for the most part, having you know potato chips, peanuts, and a glass of wine when I came home from work, and just was able to feel that physical well-being and the mental well-being as well, and then being part of the community. Kathy also began to see how these changes she was experiencing from running benefited the people around her. Then in terms of my family, I think because I was looking for ways to be to be healthier, I felt better, and I was able to deal, I I felt like I was able to deal with stress better. So one of the things, one of the main things I learned from running is that you just cannot look too far ahead. And that has helped me so much. I know that I need to plan, but essentially looking too far ahead is counterproductive in the sort of micromanagement part of things. And so the here and now is what's most important. And it's just, it's made me a better 
partner to my husband, a better parent, a better daughter, a better employer, all around just I feel like I'm a much better equipped to deal with life because of running. Running became an integral part of Kathy's life, and eventually she learned about comrades in a 2007 Runner's World article. I, you know, was fascinated by it, but I, it never occurred to me that I would ever do something like that. No doubt, Comrades is fascinating. It's existed for almost 100 years. The centennial birthday is in 2021. And it's massive, over 27,000 runners registered for the 2020 event. But for a Canadian, it's also really far away. And the process of registering, qualifying, and navigating travel for foreigners can be confusing and a bit daunting. And not only is the race 90 kilometers long, the course is hilly and the weather is generally pretty warm. It's a really tough race. A note about that length and the name of the event. This is called the Comrades Marathon, but it is not a marathon in the conventional sense of the word. In almost all cases, when someone is referring to a marathon, they're talking about an event that's 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers long. The Comrades Marathon is an exception in this case because it's actually an ultramarathon. One other detail to know about Comrades is that the course goes between the coastal city of Durban and the smaller town of Peter Maritzburg in the hills. Each year, the race switches direction, making for up years when it finishes in Peter Maritzburg and down years when it finishes in Durban. Okay, now back to Kathy. After learning about this fascinating event, she met a couple through her running community that was set on getting to Comrades at some point during their running career. And when they finally decided to make the trip, they encouraged Kathy to join them. Note here, Kathy mentions American River, which is a popular 50-mile trail race in the Sacramento area of California. And she mentions Hal Higdon, a popular running writer and coach whose training programs are widely available. And in 2009, Leading up to the 85th anniversary of Comrades in 2010, a friend of mine from my town and I signed up and trained that winter, had no idea what we were doing. She had never run more than a marathon when we got to Comrades, and I think I ran I ran American River that winter just so that I knew that I could, you know, I could be on my feet for that period of time. But that's basically how we got there. So we we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Found the Hal Higdon program online, followed that, and uh, and it was great. <laughs> now you may be thinking, this is a seriously difficult challenge. How could you possibly hope to get through it with no idea of what you're getting into? Non-runners, it's always tough. I mean, most people have, if you're not a runner, I think it, it can be difficult to sort of fathom how people do distance running. And really, it's not, I, I do tell people, it's not that difficult. It's not, it, it's something really that pretty well anyone can do. And so I, I just, I just describe it as a around 90k run by the time all said and done usually, and you have 12 hours to finish. Now, to say that just about anyone could do Comrades may seem like an overly generous statement, but it really isn't wildly off base. 
To cover 90 kilometers in 12 hours, you have to go at a pace that's just under 13 minutes per mile, which is a slow run or a brisk walk-run pace. You just have to keep at it for up to half a day on a course that's rarely flat through the inevitable pain and very likely through a couple of moments of really wanting to stop. Comrades does seem to rest right on the edge of what is doable for just about anyone who has the desire. And why would someone have that desire to tackle comrades? It's something that is emblematic of, or iconic, I guess, South Africa, that the whole country is embraces it from the customs guys who stamp your passport when you come in and, and are so excited to hear that you're coming to run the comrades to your your taxi driver. It's just, and every South African you meet that, who hasn't run the comrades says, oh, one day I'm going to run. And uh, so I, that's kind of what I tell people here is that it's it's just, it's something unlike any other event. I don't know any event in Canada or the U.S. that really does bring pretty well everyone together, a sporting event. It's quite remarkable. Kathy would also come to discover... You experience all the emotions of life in a day. This is to say there are great highs as well as great lows. And the one thing about ultra racing is that the hardest part is often the distance, which doesn't come until you're reaching the end. The year that Kathy first ran Comrades, 2010, was a down year, so the finish was in Durban. And one of the final landmarks in that direction is the Tollgate Bridge, which comes at about five kilometers to go. Around Tollgate, I, I started talking to a woman who was running her seventh, and I remember thinking, this woman must be crazy. Who would run this race more than once? And getting to the finish, I said, God, I will never run this race again. Of course, this is a completely reasonable reaction to such a prolonged and painful effort. Once is enough. Or not. That woman doing her seventh comrades is far from alone in being a repeat finisher. And in fact, returning to comrades multiple times is a big deal. Longevity holds sway here. And it's identified by the color of a runner's race number, also called their race bib. Each bib color means something different. White bibs are for South African runners who are running one of their first nine comrades. The exception is if you run your second comrades the year immediately following the first time you ran. And in this case, for that second year, you'd wear an orange number to indicate you're doing a back-to-back effort. If you're a foreigner, instead of white, your bib is blue. When you run your 10th comrades, regardless of where you're from, your number is yellow. And when you return after that, you get your green number. There are two other ways to earn your green number, and that is either by finishing within the top 10 five times or by winning three times, but these circumstances are rare. So for those who earn their number by finishing 10 times, green is their bib color through to their 19th comrades finish. And then the pattern repeats. Yellow when you're going for your 20th comrades, green for 21 through 29, and so on. And oh yes, there is a so on. 
As of the finish of the 2019 event, there are 19 runners who have earned quadruple green numbers. Yep, over 40 finishes. To date, there are no women yet who have earned this distinction, but there are many women who have run Comrades 30 or more times. Beyond the color coding in bold print at the lower part of the bib is the number of finishes that runner already has. So why do we care about all these colors? First up, it gives runners something to aim for. It's great incentive and a point of pride to earn these yellow and green numbers. But also, honoring runners in this way gives spectators extra incentive to cheer them on. The crowds at Comrades know exactly what these colors mean and what that bold number at the bottom of the bib is counting. And furthermore, they care. This all helps keep the crowd energized long after the elite runners have finished, especially since runners with 20, 30, 40 or more finishes are more likely to be found further back in the field. South African Comrades crowds are well known for their support of runners from first to last. It's worth noting here, too, that blue numbers also get extra attention. On the whole, there just aren't that many non-South Africans who run Comrades. For instance, of the 27,500 runners registered for 2020, almost 24,000 of them are South Africans. All this cheering and jubilation aside, as Kathy was getting through those last 5Ks in 2010, she wasn't thinking about yellow numbers or green numbers. When she crossed that finish line and went to join her fellow runners and her husband for some well-deserved rest, clearly her mind was made up. One and done. An hour and a half later, I remember saying actually to my husband, I want to come back next year. The experience was so exquisite. It was so moving. The challenge was so great. And the feeling of finishing and celebrating with just so many new friends and seeing that, seeing the last runners cheering at that, at that point, the the last runners coming into the stadium, it just was, every part of it was so moving that, uh, that, That, I think, is in large part what brought me back. As the pain subsided, the exceptional nature of comrades began to sink in. You don't get one without the other. And for Kathy, once again, it came back to community. I have to say, I think, in this race that what is one of, what is the most remarkable thing to me is the encouragement and the camaraderie from uh, of other runners so you are truly never alone when you're out there and physically obviously there are other people around you but I've run many races in in North America and I've never had people reach out to me the way that the South Africans do and so it's you people look after you Strangers look out for strangers, and shared suffering invites opportunities to make uncommon bonds. There are two, actually, two people who sort of stick out in my mind. And the one was uh, a few years ago on the uprun, and we were going up Polly Shorts, which is just like a never, seemingly never-ending hill. And it was, uh, you know, it's always a challenging part in the race. You're pretty close to the finish, but you're really not that close. 
and I was walking with a guy and uh, this young fellow, you know, probably a good foot and a half taller than I was from Zimbabwe, uh, who was, I think, 21, started, you know, asked me where I was from and, and we were talking about Canada and, and then I asked him about Zimbabwe and, you know, I was well enough, well old enough to be his mother and maybe his grandmother. And uh, he just, it was such a really beautiful moment to share with someone who I never would have met in any other circumstance. He was wise beyond his years, curious, obviously, you know, hardworking and, and had committed himself to doing this race at such a young age, which I think was quite remarkable. And then there's another another time with a, a guy, and it's very serendipitous at Comrades, you be 18,000 people out on, on the road. And uh, the one year I, I met this guy who was, he's a young South African guy. Uh, he was, you know, had a man bun. He had the big spacers on his earrings. Uh, he was wearing board shorts to run. I was like, who wears board shorts to run at Comrades? Like, it was great. And he was, uh, we started talking and we probably ran about 25 or 30K together. And he was just this delightful guy. And it was quite incredible because a couple of years later, I was running Comrades again. And out of the blue, I heard this guy yell out, Catherine. And it was Devin. And, uh, you know, he'd moved, I think he was in Spain, but he'd come back to run the race again. And we shared quite a few miles again. And it just was, you know, someone who was young enough to be one of my kids and we're so, you know, from such different, uh, such different parts of the world and backgrounds. And, and, but it just was, it was almost like, you know, being with one of my kids, I guess. It was quite a beautiful moment. And I sort of felt like that with both of these young guys that uh, really special to have those memories. Kathy isn't alone in having unifying, memorable experiences like this, as she has noticed over the years. I know in the 2013 race, it was extremely hot on the uprun, and there were just almost too many stories to count of people giving up their runs or giving up a, a sub nine or a sub 11 or even a finish to help another runner. So, and really during the comrades, I really feel like race, ethnicity, nothing is counted. It's what you're putting out when you're out on the course that day. And to see people, and it happens every single year, that people don't finish the race because they helped uh, they helped another runner. It is truly remarkable because I, I can say that I've never seen that in any other race that I've been in. And it just happens every single year at Comrades more times than we know. Even when the temperatures aren't soaring, there will always be runners who find themselves needing some extra support. Because no matter how many comrades you run, covering 56 miles is difficult every single time. Ultimately, the, my strategy and my mental outlook during the race is, is the same. And so I, I always try to uh, start out as slowly as possible for the first 20K, sort of a warm-up, get to the halfway point feeling reasonably good, uh, knowing the next quarter of the race is going to be tougher and the last quarter of the race is just going to be awful. And uh, But 
beautiful at the same at the same time. It's that sort of awful or difficult beauty that makes comrades so intense beyond just the physical demands. It's emotional for me. A, a few times uh, in Boston one year, I just remember, you know, there I'd lost my brother uh, a few years before, and I always I always think about him when I when I finish a race. I always think that I know he'd be proud of me, and I know that, and I know that he would have loved to have been there. And uh, so I think it's, you know, it's that sort of thing. And actually, I find in every comrades, it's just a very emotional, the finish for me is, is, is really emotional. It's really a, it's a relief, but it's also a moment of sort of celebration and, and kind of peace, I guess, as well. In hand with the peace and beauty of finishing comrades, is the harsh reality that some runners, many runners in fact, don't finish. Or rather, they aren't counted among the official finishers and they don't get their finishing medal because they don't cross the finish line before the very strict 12-hour cutoff time. This is an element that makes becoming a comrade's finisher once, twice, ten or more times an accomplishment every single time. And while the official finisher count ends at 12 hours, the crowd support remains strong long afterwards. There is such love and warmth and encouragement and respect for the final runners. There's nothing like coming in towards the end and there is just a, it is pandemonium. And and much of it is other runners, supporters, regular people who don't have never run themselves, but but are so have embraced the race uh, so much. They are cheering you to cheering you on to finish the race. I don't know anybody who hasn't shed a few tears watching runners coming into the stadium, you know, almost bouncing like pinballs, like off the. <laughs> you know, the barricades they're going in because they're having a hard time running a straight line or, you know, being helped, being helped by other runners are, you know, clearly looking like they, they've had a rough go of it. And if you cross at 12 hours and one second, you don't get a medal. And it doesn't matter if you're a half a stride from the finish, you just don't get that medal. And I think, you know, we've all in our lives had I think it I think it speaks to people because I think we've all in our lives had times when we've almost made something, when we've almost achieved something and we haven't. And we realize how incredibly difficult that is to deal with and that it is it it's part of life. And people just keep and then the people who keep coming in and keep running into the stadium even though they will not get a finisher's medal. So 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes after the race has, has finished, people are still coming. And there's so much love from the crowd. As another edition of The Race Ends, for the many racers like Kathy who know they'll be back again, it doesn't take long until the planning for the next year starts all over again. Comrades is like Christmas for me every year. So it's like, there's like months of anticipation. The training in the winter is terrible, but uh, training is hard for everybody, right? But uh, I mean, for me, it's just like, 
I just like a kid at Christmas. So the lead up to it is incredible. Getting there, seeing, you know, seeing the friends I've made over the years from all over the world, um, you know, sharing, sharing our experiences is so great. Ever since Kathy met those three women while she was running by herself along a trail near her house in the early 2000s, community, whether at home or through the comrades' connections she's built over the years, has been a driving force in her running pursuits. So when she was asked to help grow the comrades' community by being the Canadian ambassador for the race, she said yes. I have always had an interest in networking and I love meeting new people and and I knew how confusing and overwhelming it was for me going to Comrades the first time. So I've I've always had a, a desire to help other people sort of ease the way a little bit. This role of Comrades Ambassador is an official designation within the race organization. There are currently 24 ambassadors for the race worldwide. Kathy is the sole representative for Canadians, and she also works to help out some American racers. Sometimes her function is just to let people in North America know that Comrades even exists. I basically, you know, speak to talk, talk it up. My license plate says Comrades. Uh, sometimes people think I'm Russian. And now Kathy is the one who's in the position of guiding other athletes to exceptional running experiences. I think it's just the, the really wonderful, happy, uh, euphoric, but uh, poignant moments, I guess, that I get to witness, uh, especially uh, after the race is over. I feel proud to sit with a bunch of people who have finished the race and who have experienced the same, you know, the same mileage as I have. But everybody's experience is so different, yet it's, it's so much the same. I want everybody to love it as much as I do and to have those experiences. And I'm, I'm so gratified when, I, uh, when that's the case. Kathy's love of comrades has kept her coming back again and again. When she runs comrades next, she'll be going for her 10th finish, wearing her yellow number and, as they say, going for her green. And she's especially looking forward to one of the perks that goes along with earning your green number. Your number is retired, it's, or it's always your number. I, I'll, you know, I'm certain that when I'm, uh, if I'm, you know, in a nursing home and I don't know what day it is and uh, don't know my kids, I'll know my comrade's number for sure. That's uh, never going to leave me. Kathy's had a long time to memorize that number because unless you skip the race several years in a row, which she never has, you'll keep getting assigned the same number you started with. And then after that 10th running, the number retires with you. It's yours forevermore. Kathy also enjoys being a permanent part of Comrades in another meaningful way. They have this incredible, it's called the Wall of Honor. It's about halfway along the course, up in the, up in the mountains in the Valley of a Thousand Hills. It's just stunningly beautiful area. And so as you're running along, there's this, there are these bricks on the side of the mountain, sort of, that with plaques, either green for people with green numbers or yellow for those with, without and uh, with your name and that you can, you can pay a very nominal sum, have your name up on this Wall of Honor. 
it seems like sort of an egotistical thing to do. And I guess it is, but it's kind of neat to see your name, <laughs> to see your name up there. This wall of honor is a beloved landmark along the course, and it serves a functional purpose as well. The interlocking bricks form a retaining wall, so it's literally part of the course. In addition to featuring runners who have paid for their space, the blocks at the beginning section of the wall feature all of the runners who have won the race. For Kathy, being an ambassador for comrades, going for her green number, participating in the Wall of Honor and earning her forever comrades number, these are all important parts of her running journey. And to accompany that, she continues to experience how the simple act of running and engaging with her community closer to home enhances her life day after day, year after year. Partly the intrinsic value of it, I guess, that I, you know, I just feel better. I, uh, my day is always better when I get up and run in the morning. I am happier, I think. I feel physically energized and have those feelings of self-efficacy, I think, and that I, you know, I said I was going to do something. I did it. I started started my day by by following through on that. And also the community aspect of it. So I I run by myself probably 80% of the time. But the 20% of the time that I run with others, I just love. And it is uh, that community of like-minded people that uh, makes my, has made my life so much richer. Yeah, I can't imagine what my life would be like without running, without all the wonderful experiences, all the wonderful people I've met because of it. And I, I hope that I'm still still running till the day I die. That's that's my goal is to to keep it up. And that concludes Kathy Hopkins' story. For more information about this episode or about Strides Forward, please visit stridesforwardpodcast.com. One section you'll find there provides resources related to women and running. Each episode after the story, like right now, I highlight one such resource. This episode's highlighted resource is the Running on Ohm podcast, hosted by Julia Hanlon. The podcast features conversations Julia has with women who have committed their lives to endurance sports and the outdoors. There's also the Soul Sister series, where Julia and her best friend, professional distance runner Abby Cooper, discuss their own experiences, and answer listener questions. All of the Running on Ohm episodes feature deep, real, inspirational, and empowering conversations that don't shy away from life's difficulties. I always discover great takeaways. An episode that stands out for me is Julia's interview with Molly Seidel, which was done in January 2020 before the 2020 Olympic trials. As always, I welcome you to please stay in touch. I can always be reached through the website, or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Strides Forward. Thank you to Kathy Hopkins for sharing her story and also for being a great ambassador. I was lucky enough to meet Kathy and work with her on my very first trip to Comrades in 2019, where I was a spectator and my husband, who's a Canadian, ran. 
I can attest that a good ambassador like Kathy makes a world of difference. She helped make what could have been a confusing process very manageable and a lot of fun. I also want to thank U.S. Comrades Ambassador Patrick Gongson for his help fact-checking this episode. Thank you as well to April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative for the logo and website design. You can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. And thank you to Cormac O'Regan for the original music and sound design. And thank you to you, the listener. As always, I'm thrilled you're joining this podcast journey. Please subscribe and share with friends and family and leave your thoughts in a review. Until next time, this is Cherie wishing you satisfying strides forward. That strides forward. 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 Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.